0: Thank you for downloading this MassDevice Radio podcast. In this 2011 interview, David Lucino, CEO of Sempris Biosciences, spoke with Mass Device's Christian Holland about Lucchino's hope to reduce the risk of death and steep costs associated with surface failures of vascular catheters. Thank you for listening to MassDevice Radio. To answer what Sempris Biosciences technology is, let me just tell you briefly about the company. Uh, we're a venture-backed biomedical company whose roots are out of MIT's Langer Lab. You know, we're really focused on addressing what is a huge healthcare need initially, which is the approximately you know sixty thousand really senseless deaths that occur each year, and the eleven billion dollars of economic inefficiency or drag on our healthcare system that are related to really surface failures on vascular catheters or plastic tubes that are used to deliver fluids uh, to and from the body. And so what the Sempris technology is, uh, very clearly, is a way of really providing two key benefits that the market hasn't really seen before. A surface that can uh, retain its high level of functionality in blood, and the second is being able to do that for prolonged periods of time, months at a time or longer, is really what the Sempris technology's value proposition is. So it's a coating for implants, essentially. So the way we describe what we're doing is, it's just a physical extension of the underlying substrate. Um, where a coating would imply there's something being attached to the surface in a temporary fashion, what we have is sort of a, is a permanent physical extension or modification um, that we're able to put on that can prevent, essentially, a uh, you know, think of it as a uh, pure, you know, non-fouling surface. Um, the way I describe it to, uh, you know, sort of my friends and family is think of it as, you know, billions of, you know, molecular-sized oak trees, and how you grow those oak trees out of the substrate, you know, with its taproot in, with the branches, the, the, the densities, and the overall structures creates the long-term performance.
1: Okay, and how, how does that work? So are they essentially little spikes that prevent things from sticking to
0: it? So they're, they're polymers, um, so I wouldn't think of them as any um, you know, it's not a weapon. Really all the surface is doing is redirecting the energy or you know, the bacteria and the blood components away from the surface. Um, and back into the body, and the goal—you the know—the goal around inhibiting surface failure is from stopping, you know, bacteria uh, and you know the um, the colonization and the biofilm formations. And second, and, and, and in parallel to that, also stopping, you know, blood platelets and other proteins and other biological matter from sticking to the surface. And it's that sticking that allows for the causes these complications of infection and thrombus to occur.
1: I think there's been some confusion about this being a some sort of antibacterial coating, but it's actually it actually just prevents a, an infection from occurring by preventing something from sticking to it.
0: We we stop the problem before it actually starts, and that's really where the value proposition is. There are drug released uh, technologies out there, and you know they certainly have had a uh, served a. a, a a place in the marketplace um, had a significant role in the marketplace. But what we what we see is you want to provide long term protection of a medical device after you know its most aggressive challenges and real you know sort of authentic challenges, um, which is in in human blood, and that's sort of the barrier that we've been able to really prove. You know the the duration and the dual functionality of what we have, and again, the dual functionality is one physical extension of the surface or sort of the semper sustained technology that is able to simultaneously resist bacteria colonization uh, or adherence and thrombus formation off the surface.
1: Okay, and what kind of implants themselves can it actually be uh, be applied to? Uh, does it work for uh, defibrillators, or can it also work for Heart valves, or even um, perhaps bone screws.
0: Well, it has broad applicability, uh, and we've shown broad applicability on everything from medical grade titanium to um, you know carbothane, plastic, you know, you know vascular catheters. You know, so think about it from our entrepreneurial perspective. Our goal initially isn't to be everything to everybody. Our goal is to focus on one market where there's a you know, really strong proxy for what it is that this, you know, for the Sempris technology is able to achieve and address a huge unmet need and then be able to prove that out. And that's what we're focused on when we look at the vascular marketplace as sort of our first, you know, our first area of movement. You said you were, you said this technology was out of the Langer Lab. Dr. Langer um, is one of the co-founders of the company, and if, you know, uh, you know, he has sort of a prolific lab at MIT, and he started a number of different companies. You know, the basic premise that Dr. Langer had, along with our chief technology officer and, and another co-founder, Chris Luce, um, had, and that I got involved with early on, was how do you take. You know, a surface of a medical device and create long-term protection where it currently doesn't exist. And that was sort of the question, you know, the big problem they were looking to really solve. And the issue was not to do that with leaching technologies or drug delivery, which, you know, Dr. Langer is one of the world's leaders in, but is to create a surface that is just a physical extension of the underlying polymer that can create um, a surface that doesn't allow for bacteria or other blood c- components to attach to it. So there's a large, th- th- there's a whole vision wrapped up in how, over the last you know four and four and a half to five years, we've gotten to where we are.
1: What influence have Michael Sema and Colin Gardner have had? Have they had on the company? I understand that they are relatively recent additions to the
0: board. Well, they are. So they. Um, So Colin Gardner is a member of our uh, scientific advisory board. Michael Simo previously, you know, was a member, but is no longer on on our SAB. Um, You know, the SAB board, you know, really is focused on, you know, either folks that have specific technical capabilities that relate to what we're doing or clinical expertise. So we also have Dr. Dennis Mackey on our scientific advisory board, who's one of the world's leaders in medical device related infections. Um, and he's out of uh, the University of Madison in Wisconsin. Um, and um, it's been a, um, you know, it's useful because, you know, you don't come up with game-changing ideas and paradigm-shifting ideas, you know, sitting you know, by yourself, you know, at a library desk. You do it by interacting with clinicians and thought leaders in respective, in respective areas. And that's what our scientific advisory board is designed to do
1: uh in december you uh wrapped up uh 18 uh, million dollars in funding uh what was the immediate effect of that funding and what does it mean going forward
0: well i think the so i you know as many listeners might be aware of, it's a very demanding time to raise any venture capital financing, let alone in the life sciences or medical device. And I think what our investors were really focused on were, you know, big, you know, paradigm-shifting, game-changing ideas. And so it was some of the recent technical data that we have been able to achieve in 2010 that really convinced our current investors and brought on to top-notch investors, you know, SR1, which is the uh, you know, Galaxo Smith Kleins in-house venture capital firm, and Foundation Medical Partners, um, which is uh, as a strategic affiliation with the Cleveland Clinic, to really come in and co-lead this round of fin- financing for Series B financing for Sempra's. Mm-hmm. And I think the immediate effect on the company has been just continued stability of our operations and continued really methodical scaling of, 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 the, of what we're doing in terms of the sort of the meat and potatoes approach of getting, you know, the regulatory, the clinical, and the product, you know, all, you know, put together in, a, uh, in, a, in an effective, you know, uh, package for the marketplace.
1: Are you still on track? Uh, I think it was in December you said that the company was about
0: two years away from FDA approval. Is that still on track? I think we'll have a lot of FDA-related clarity um, uh, in 2011. So I think it's going to be sooner than 2002 years. I think it'll be much sooner than that. Are you prepping for clinical trials? We're going to be starting some uh, clinical work, uh, uh, initial clinical work, uh, later on in 2011.
1: And you mentioned GlaxoSmithKline's venture arm participating in that round. What does their participation mean to the company? Um, Do you think there's any interest that GlaxoSmithKline might have in you in the future?
0: Well, I mean, so I think, you know, GSK saw their investment and it, they came in purely on financial terms um, as a way of sort of, um, you know, making a significant investment in more of the med tech space and, and biomedical space um, as opposed to purely therapeutics. One of the benefits of having them do their diligence and having them invest is this was really vetted through their whole R&D uh, group, you know, through the very top echelons. And so people saw what we're doing is having real value and meaning. Um, for a company, one of the world's biggest, you know, drug companies um, and consumer-based companies, and um, so I think what they do is they also provide us, you know, a relationship with folks that um, that uh, can g- continue to give us market insights. Because at the end of the day, you build a big great business by listening to your consumers and the marketplace. And this isn't about voting a great technology. This is about saving lives and saving money for our healthcare system. And being able to do that, you have to deliver to the market with the not doctors, the nurses, you know, the purchasing agents, the CFOs, the CEOs of these hospitals, uh, the insurance companies really want to buy. And that's what we're focused on. Speaking of,
1: uh, or, or speaking about uh, GSK more, um, or even any other company, a Boston Scientific, a uh, St. Jude, a mm-hmm. your company's ability to meet a very specific need will make you a target company for a large company like that, that makes a lot of medical devices. Could you speak a little bit more about that? Um, have you had any interests uh, or um, uh, are people talking about an acquisition or um, further investments from companies like GSK?
0: I think uh, it's a great question. Uh, so there's been uh, wide, widespread industry interest in what we're doing. Um, we have a lot of dialogues going on with a number of different parties, you know, in the, directly in the medical device space and, and, and ancillary to that space. Um, part of you know the way I think we fundamentally feel you want to build a great business is not being overly dependent on any one company. Uh, for you know, uh, for your ability to grow or scale, but by getting a, a great product to market that has the clinical and the regulatory clarity around it, and, and showing that it can address a, a specific need and. You know, our choice to date has been to, um, you know, not enter into any strategic partnerships um, with various companies, but to continue on on the path of delivering our own product to the market. But that doesn't mean that there may not be there, you know, that doesn't mean we're not going to do a strategic partnership. It just means that our ability to, you know, continue to go it alone, I think, continues to build value for this company.
1: Okay. Uh, Have you had any... A specific formal requests for strategic um, uh, partnerships with other companies
0: well I think I, I can say we've done a number of material transfer agreements with companies uh, very you know uh, precise agreements where you know we have gotten um, people you know the basic basic message to us is we are interested in what you're doing now let us prove it ourselves and um, and we've gotten uh, we've entered into a number of those agreements and I think people have been able to, we're very pleased with the results that they saw of our, you know, of our product and our technology in their hands.
1: Any yeah. companies in particular that you'd like to mention? <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I would just say the, I think, expect, you know, companies that you'd expect to see on that list who really value innovation and really value the idea of, um, of uh, delivering, you know, great medical medical products to the market, I think have been, have been at the forefront of that.
1: Okay. Um, who are your competitors at this point?
0: It's a great time it's probably our biggest competitor um, you know we uh, I, I run a company that lives in the world of limited time and limited resources. Every day matters um, and not in some overly dramatic way. I mean part of you know what I enjoy doing is recruiting and bringing in a great team of people and people need to understand I think three things when when I bring them in and this will relate to your question, which is if you don't like you know if you're not excited about the work and you're not excited about the people don't worry about, you know, the money we're going to pay you because you're never going to do great work for us or for yourselves. And so part of this is based on the premise that we live in a world of limited time and limited resources, and it's not a nine-to-five job, and we have to do what it takes to be successful um, and meet the market demands and requirements. Um, And so to that end, you know, our investors um, have certain expectations that we need to continue to meet, and for, for us to continue to grow and scale, we need to use our time efficiently and effectively. Now, that being said, um, I think we're really one of the few companies out there truly pushing the boundaries of long-term, you know, uh, protection of medical devices um, and the approach that we're taking. But there's a lot of smart companies out there uh, with with far greater resources than we have. And um, you know, I think companies will either want to acquire, the, you know, similar technologies if they're out there, or will try to develop this on their own. But um, uh, you know what I would say is this is not an idea that is going to fit neatly within a large corporate structure um, because the, you had to bring together many cross disciplinary functions and you need the flexibility um, to be able to achieve the results that we've done so far. So I think the competitors that are out there eh, are are there, but I, I don't think there's anyone doing specifically what we're doing and has, have been able to have been as forthcoming with the results that we've been able to achieve.
1: Okay. Now, uh, Robert Langer, you said, was one of the co-founders for the company. But why did you get involved in Sempris Biosciences?
0: Bob Langer is a co-founder of the company. He's chair, co-chair of our SAB, and he's on the board of directors of Sempris. Um, and it was really Bob Langer who played matchmaker for uh, between me and uh, his Ph.D. student at the time, Dr. Chris Luce. And I had professionally worked with Bob Langer when I was uh, co-founder and managing director of a company, uh, an investment group called LaunchSite, who, is, who uh, back in 1999, we started to commercialize early stage biomedical intellectual property. And um, it was doing that for a number of years where I met Bob Langer and um, had the chance to, um, through his encouragement, you know, do the uh, MIT Sloan Fellows Program where I earned my MBA and it was during that process that Bob, you know, called me up and, and introduced me to a number of his PhD students, one of whom was Chris Luce. And um, you know, Chris and I hit it off personally. And then the issue that they were starting to really tackle on, you know, you know, surf, you, know you know, surface failures on medical devices was something I had an interest in, and so started, you know, um, you know, the company that's now Sempris Biosciences.
1: So MIT is sort of the nexus for all things Sempra's.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, I'm proud of my MIT background. I I know Chris is. um, It it really is. MIT's motto is mind in hand, and that's what we do here. You know, the first thing I did when I met Chris and he told me about the idea that he and Dr. Langer were working on was, you know, first I said, who cares? And he gave me an inquisitive, you know, somewhat, you know, um, agitated look and then I said well Chris it doesn't matter if I care it matters if you know Blanche Murphy who's the nurse at Beth Israel Hospital who we went to see cares and does she what's the problem that she sees you know a woman who's been working on vascular catheters for over 25 years and that's the first place that Chris and I went was to see Blanche Um, When we met Blanche through a classmate of mine at MIT Sloan. And so we've been listening to the market, talking to infectious disease nurses and doctors. And, you know, and that's really sort of, you know, the practical, what does the market want? Where's the need? Where's the pain? You know, aligning with sort of a tech, I think, a meaningful technology solution.
1: Is there anything that I didn't cover that you'd like to add?
0: I think there's two things um, that I think one is, you know, I'm very, I'm very proud of the team that we've built. One person or two people don't make a great company, and um, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, we understand that we still have, you know, uh, we're doing meaningful interactions with the FDA. Uh, we're going to have meaningful clinical work. You know, so we're, we need to keep our eye on the prize and raising, you know, I think a meaningful amount of investor, you know, capital is great. But, you know, we're keeping our head down and um, really staying focused on delivering really what we see as a transformative product. Um, I think the other thing I would say is I truly believe that the end user, the consumer expectation of their relationship to a medical device is becoming much more intimate. In a way that you know, I don't think our healthcare system has seen before, and the expectations around what that medical device needs to provide to that patient, I think, is really has increased. Um, it's just not a mechanical device that is you know you know shoved on them so to speak. It's really becomes you know an intimate part of who they are as a human being, and I think there's a fundamental consumer shift in in how people view medical devices in their lives because you're living with them a lot longer and um, you know than you ever have before and i think because of that you know what we're doing is sort of per- well aligned with be- meeting that consumer expectation um, the other half of that is meeting the payer or the caregiver expectation which is increasing the mean time between failures uh, said and otherwise just can reduce out the instead of having a failure of, of a catheter every you know every x number of weeks you know be, increase that to x number of months and then ideally x number of years because that's what the patient expects that's what the payers want to have and I, I really think that's what the standards that all medical device companies are going to be held to
1: now you didn't mention any specific competitors before and that a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is, that this um industry is still in its nascent stages what kind of effect financially do you think this uh, industry could have or what how big could it be in a market cap sense
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I think there is a fundamental paradigm shift going from what people have known previously as coatings, which have been very, you know, temporary solutions, um, though they've had their, you know, clinical validity attached to them, to really thinking in terms of a longer standard of care, you know, 30 days or greater, um, and really pushing that out to multi-month. You know, I think... Any company is going to be successful if it stays focused on really delivering, you know, what is a new standard of care at reducing complications in an area of high need, while also building, you know, uh, a fundamental revenue stream in front of a fundamental product line that can uh, that can maximize and you know you know capture that benefit that they're creating. I think you also have an industry. I mean, the medical device industry is a highly innovative industry, and I, I've been very been very pleased with you know our ability to quickly adapt and to stake out I think some specific turf on um, where we can make a big difference at the end of the day yes you want to build a great company but you want to save lives and really you know, really and, and save money for the healthcare system and um, I think I think it's you know doing all three is really I think you know an important part of, of building any successful business
1: okay thank you very much is there anything else you'd like to add
0: no keep up the good work and uh, you know uh, thanks for taking the time to uh, sit down with me